I have been in isolation for too long now, and I recognize I need a way out. I'm not eager, and I'm not sure how, but I know it is unhealthy to remain in isolation. If you can relate, let's do this together. Welcome to the podcast, Not I, Not Isolated Anymore. This is B. And this is Stephanie. Thank you for joining us. Last episode, we talked about the importance of narrative, how narratives are central to giving our lives structure and meaning and purpose, allowing us to understand ourselves and the world around us. And that sharing of narrative is really at the heart of feeling like you belong. And what can happen if you lose those narratives and essentially descend into isolation and the painful feelings that come out of that, resentment and betrayal and guilt. We then began to explore a little bit your resistance be to leaving that state of isolation, even though it's a painful state, an unhealthy state. So we're going to just talk more about that. Where's that resistance coming from? And what does that feel like? But before we get to that, I did want to ask you a little bit more about what was the catalyst for this recent period of somewhat profound isolation? Because you talked about feeling isolated almost since childhood, isolated from who you were and isolated from your larger social circles and community. What happened recently seems to have been more intense than than that even. Yes, absolutely. It was finally the breaking point. You're right. I mean, throughout my life, because of the patterns that began in my childhood, I always ended up looking to others to have a sense of self and a sense of what it was that that was needed of me or acceptable for me to be doing in that moment. You were largely in relationships for most of your life in which you did not feel seen. Not only did I not feel seen by others, but I did not see myself even. And I'm sure I would like to think that in every relationship, there's something that you learn, something that you learn. And eventually, in my very last relationship before isolation, I think it it came to a breaking point and I came to recognize that I was trying to live out someone else's projection of me, which is what I had been doing all my life. But it finally became clear to me and it finally became clear to me that I was not feeling seen and that I couldn't do anything to make myself feel seen in that situation with the narratives that I had accepted. So we talked last time about narratives in conflict, that narratives come from our lived experience, but also we inherit some from our cultures and our family and and we develop other ones in concert with people, in relationships with people. And often those narratives can compete and even conflict. So what you were finding is when you try to assert narratives that came from your own lived experience, came from your understanding of yourself, those narratives became in conflict with the dominant narratives of the relationship. That That is true, and that is the way it happened, because slowly I started to recognize that I was doing something wrong, because I was not what I used to call it, inserting myself in the relationship. I didn't do that from from early on in the relationship. And so by the time I came to realize that I had been doing that wrong, and I tried to insert myself more, saying, hey, I would like this, I would like that, whatever, there was no longer any room for me, because at that point, the person I was with, 
you know, each one of us had already gotten used to the energetic patterns that we had carved in the behavior that we had been doing. And she wasn't ready to to change those comfortable patterns in she order was, to accommodate my my you know my, my need. Your need to your need to feel seen. Right, exactly, and whatever that may have been, you know. I mean, even buying something at the grocery store, you know, like if she didn't like it, it's like she couldn't bring herself to let me have it. It's and it's ridiculous that I accepted that too. Essentially, the narratives of the relationship were working for her. <laughs> She felt seen safe and felt the roles were appropriate. And so your efforts to make changes in order for the narratives to work for you were not met with interest or acceptance. Well, they were met with the right words, ironically. But when it came time to put them into action, she couldn't bring herself to. She had some excuse or something where essentially the our system had to continue to work by me giving in and upholding her narrative. And denying yourself. And denying myself, right, even the right of having a narrative. So being in that place, I think I was already recognizing that I was in a place of isolation, even though I was in relationship, because I recognized that I did not see myself. And when I started to, I couldn't bring others to see me. So I was already in a place of isolation there. And the more that I tried to insert myself into the relationship and that was unsuccessful, that became more and more clear that in order to feel seen, I would have to be with someone who would be willing to see me. And clearly, I was not going to be able to feel seen there. And that, that felt horribly isolating. Very lonely experience to be with someone and to feel unseen. Oh, yeah. To be with someone and, you know, express your feelings and literally be told this is not about you. You know, and the horrible feeling that it was at that moment because my lived experience was that I did not count in relationships. And here I was in a moment of clarity in that moment that I must have expressed my feelings. And all I remember was her response. It was true. You did not count in that moment. Yeah, exactly. And so my lived experience was being reaffirmed at that moment. And I knew that it was wrong. I knew that, that, that I should not accept that. But the narrative that I had held for such a long time was being reaffirmed at the same time that I was recognizing that it no longer fit. And I think that there was an inner narrative what, that was trying to break through this superficial narrative that I needed to be with this person and uphold her narratives. So you left. So I finally left. And when I did, what was very shocking to me was that it was a complete loss of community for me. Because it was true, most of our friends in the relationship had been her friends originally. But we had been in a relationship for six years. The people that, that I considered my best friends, I thought were my best friends. I didn't realize that our relationship was based on the status of my identity as being connected to this person. I thought that it was a real connection. And that break with those friends in particular, that loss of community made it so clear to me the difference between connecting identity to identity versus connecting energy to energy, where it's just, here we are, two human beings, you have a need and I can feel it. Let me feel it. Not, wait, wait, who are you? Does this, does it fit my narrative that I should help you? And, and in the case of these people, well, no, they consider themselves loyal friends to her. And so because of that, they could only be friends with her and regardless of the friendship that I thought we had had for however many years. So that loss of community was 
really critical for me. It was it was horrible because I literally found myself with no one. Not not only did I you know I, I did not feel seen anywhere with anyone, and I shared no narratives with anyone. So there was a, this was a significant narrative collapse across many domains. Absolutely, and the fact that the main narrative collapsed brought into question all other narratives. So that makes it exponentially isolating. All of a sudden, you are all by yourself. And yeah, and the feelings are not nice. Because like, for example, in that moment, I absolutely felt betrayed by by the people who I thought were my friends. And, you know, as far as they were concerned, they didn't, didn't even have anything to do with the divorce. But here I was mourning that loss very you deeply. You also felt guilt. Right. Guilt is definitely a an energy that shows up in isolation. And this is trickier and obviously trickier to talk about. But in upholding the narratives that I upheld in this relationship, it meant that I had to dismiss narratives of other people around me that were incompatible and when the narratives about my relationship collapsed and I came to understand that those narratives of those people around me had been true all along, of course, I felt a great sense of shame towards them and to myself for having been wrong, but mostly towards them because I was asking them to uphold narratives that in the end were not true and they were asking me to uphold narratives that ended up being true, but I was unwilling to see that unable to see it unable yeah and then we we talked about resentment as well right and yes so the narrative of resentment is a pervasive one that keeps you stuck in isolation and I think that's a really really complicated one because for example in my case it was bad enough because you know you're sitting there all alone looking at everybody else going about their business, living their lives happily or unhappily, busy, attentive to their narratives, what have you. And it's like you're forgotten. You're there alone. People who supposedly care for you don't seem to be caring for the fact that you're sitting alone without narratives, etc. And so that that is a resentment that grows and is very unfair to all parties because the People towards whom I was feeling resentment probably had no idea that I was feeling that resentment and to the extent that it may have been growing. Maybe I had no idea at, at some points either. And so they, they can't do anything about it. You know, you're just sitting there growing more and more alone and they might be near you wanting to help, but they're not aware of that resentment. So it starts as a feeling resentment, but it becomes a narrative of its own that you can get trapped into. And I think that's the way, I mean, I think that narratives become energetic patterns. And then it's something that's just automatic and you can't get away from. And you're right, it it can snowball. Energetic patterns being those. Being the patterns that we repeat either because we consciously believe a narrative or because we have repeated it so many times that it becomes automatic. And that's why it's so difficult to, to break these patterns, right? And that's also why it's so difficult to break the pattern of resentment when you have it against against this general collective that's not very defined, and that's why it is so cruel and unfair to the person feeling it. The thing where it was slightly better for me is that because I 
was in such a state of isolation that I wasn't having interaction with people. When I did have an interaction with someone, even if it's at the cash register at the grocery store, if I felt seen, it was so nurturing and something that was so appealing to feel that it could drive me past a narrative of resentment because the need was so great. But if you are feeling isolated in a relationship and you have this resentment, I think it could be really, really difficult to see and, and even more difficult to break. But I think basically that is, those are the ways those three feelings really interact with isolation and make it so difficult for one to break out of it. Guilt, betrayal, and resentment. So even though you were, you felt somewhat isolated your whole life, it was this pervasive breakdown of multiple narratives at once that involved these painful emotions of resentment and betrayal and guilt that got you stuck in this more profound isolation that you had previously experienced. Yes, and I think there has to be something about, you know, my growing understanding over time from my lived experience, which I'm sure obviously is something that happens to everyone, right? Because I probably wasn't experiencing much more or less isolation than I did throughout my life. But I was becoming more and more aware that there's something wrong here. I'm creating this situation for myself. And I think that that's what led to the actual, you know, breakdown in the end. And then, of course, once I got a divorce and it was a loss of those narratives and the loss of community, then it was a period of being in isolation outside of any relationship, outside of any unhealthy energetic exchanges with anyone to where I could really stop and analyze everything. You know, I mean, all my behaviors, why was I doing certain things? Why were people around me doing certain things, et cetera, et cetera. So the good thing was that I wasn't, because I was not engaged in trying to please someone 24-7, it allowed the real me to come to the surface. And in getting to know myself and understanding all of these things, the most important and rewarding thing that has come out of it all is that now I finally see myself. And I think that is key because in seeing myself, number one, I know who I am bringing to any new relationship if there were to ever be one. Then there's also the, the knowledge that my lived experience has been bad relationships or unhealthy interactions or however you want to call it. And I don't have the lived experience of of a healthy relationship. And so the fear of enacting past patterns is what additionally keeps me in this place of isolation, of not wanting to go and seek even new friendships. Is that the primary resistance to leaving isolation? The fear? The fear of repeating old patterns. So have you worked, for instance, have you worked through, do you feel, most of the feelings of resentment and betrayal and guilt that you felt in the aftermath of the collapse of your marriage and community? Yeah, that's a good question. And yes, I, I think I have. I think I have because because I have been in this place thinking about all these things for a long, long time, you know, having conversations with myself about it to where I can honestly, you know, like we started talking about my childhood and, you know, recognizing the situation that my sister was in. I mean, I can really look 
at the situation of the different players in a circle and understand that we each bring our need to feel seen and whatever other needs. And so I can honestly tell you that the guilt, the betrayal is gone for the most part. I think shame still kind of has a way of sticking around. And resentment maybe kind of does, you know? I mean, at least there's a resentment for a few select people that I'm not ready to let go of just because, you know, it feels good to have someone to go <laughs> energetically punch, you know, if I need to. So that, that does leave us perhaps with fear as the primary yes. emotion that's keeping you stuck in isolation? Yes. Fear is a nice umbrella term. I mean, I think there's fear of specific things. I was thinking about this a little bit. I know it's not fear of feeling seen, because if not, I would not be able to be doing this. And this actually does feel nice to feel seen. The podcast you're referring right, to. Right, right, right. But even, you know, the conversations that we have had. So so it's not, it's not the feeling seen part that I think is what I fear. I think what I fear is to discover after the fact, after having been in a situation where I'm feeling seen and, and feeling all the satisfaction that comes from it, to find out later that I was being perceived as as selfish or, you know, or, or something like basically to find out that the person who I was feeling seen by might be having different narratives about me that I'm not aware of. And I know that it sounds kind of convoluted, but that has been my lived experience. So that's what I'm afraid of. I mean, I think I have rational knowledge that will guide me in the right direction. But it's difficult because lived experience is what you naturally return to. And and if I have not yet developed a new lived experience of healthy interaction, there's a big question mark. Is it going to work? Because your lived experiences of relationships have either been, you have not felt seen, and that was the only way to be accepted. Or if you felt seen, there was rejection that followed. Yes, but that has only happened more recently. And like since the period of isolation, where I have tried to establish new friendships, coming in with healthy patterns, you know, where, okay, I understand that we each need to feel seen. Now I'm going to try to feel seen. And I mean, I did, I I have in certain friendships that I thought were developing. But then later, there were some comments or something that I came to understand oh, okay, they weren't so pleased when I was talking or feeling seen or, or whatever. And so, you know, that, that that again makes you retract. And at least for those relationships, well, I didn't continue to pursue them because at least now I see myself enough to understand that, you know, there might be some circles in which you might accept to not feel seen by someone, say, you know, if it's, I don't know, a grandparent, a parent, a, you know, your child, whatever. Okay, fine, but hopefully you do have... A, you know, a circle where you do feel seen. But you're not going to start off a friendship if you're not feeling seen. It's like, where's the fair exchange? Or feeling safe. Right. I mean, the, the, the feeling safe would ultimately be just feeling safe that you are a part of a circle. But then but that feels like exactly what I have been doing all my life. You know, it's like exchanging belonging for I'll uphold your narrative regardless of you doing anything for me. You know, all, all I care to do is is belong here. No, I care to do more now. I want to feel seen. Being safe and being seen, as as you said in the first episode, need to really work together. We're looking for both of those things, such that people see you enough that you feel safe 
in their acceptance of you. The safety is not conditional on their own projections of what you should be or how you should act. They see enough of you. They see you as a whole person such that your role in that relationship or in that group is safe. Exactly. And and if we want to talk a little more about role in that situation would be the role for both people showing up in a friendship, for example, is that you want to make sure that each of you gets to feel seen. You know, gets to feel seen, feel safe and have a role and, and have this feeling of belonging and, and gets their basic energetic needs met. And that's the role, that, that we make sure that each one of us is getting it in the same way that in a family it should be that way and, and in every situation, right? And what you're saying is that that has not been your lived experience. You have not been in relationships in which the other person has been concerned about you feeling seen safe and having a role. And you yourself have not been able to give that to another person because you have usually shown up as this accepting energy, essentially yeah. accepting whatever they were offering. Yes, what you are saying is true. Uh, I have essentially been going through all relationships all my life where I was just showing up for them and I was not feeling seen. But if you stop and think about it, it would have been impossible for anybody to really see me if I did not see myself. My true nature, my true things that I would want and think and, and want to do and whatever, how could anybody else see it? So, Absolutely. yeah, sure, I mean, I can point fingers and do whatever, but, and, and even though I still wish that people would have broken through that and, and tried to see me, I mean, I accepted every, every contract I accepted. And it wasn't until I finally broke that that I was able to see myself and okay, now maybe it would be a completely different story if, if you know, the person that I'm bringing to our relationship, if I dare to do that. Well, that's going to be the subject of the upcoming episodes. Yes, yes. I'm, I'm starting to feel anxiety about it already when we come up with a plan or a template to actually go out into the world and try to establish friendships where I feel seen, feel safe and have a role. So we hope that you all join us for that journey. That will be a ride. <laughs> that will be a ride.